Turn in your Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. Beginning with verse 11. May I offer something to you before we read the scriptures? And uh, to be very honest with you, I'm very hesitant to do it because I wouldn't want to draw attention or embarrass anyone. But I also don't want to miss the Lord in something. And I just feel prompted uh, to speak to those of you that come to church by yourself. That the Lord is very tender towards you. And the Lord understands and knows, and it's a precious thing to Him when anyone worships Him. But when we worship Him um, alone at times, uh, it's kind of like going to the uh, baby shower and you haven't had the baby. And we see families come in and spouses come together and uh, I just feel... I just looked out, and it wasn't an individual. I just saw several today, and I just felt the Lord wanted me to tell you that he enjoys you and notices your faithfulness to him, um, even worshiping alone. And I just wanted to offer that to you this morning. Would you stand with me this morning? Luke chapter 15. Josh, did we find what it was? Maybe turn this one off as well. I think they can mute it. Are we good? Luke 15, beginning with... It's still very shrill, guys. If you'll search, it might be something else. Luke 15, 11 through 25. And Jesus said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all that was given to him together and took his journey into a far country. And there he wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he'd spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joins himself to a citizen of that country, and this man sent him into his fields to feed the swine or the pigs. And he craved, he longed to fill his empty belly with the husk that the swine were eating, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father have bread enough to spare, and here I am perishing with hunger. I will arise, and I will go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no more worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired servants." And he arose and came to his father, but when he was a far, when he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion on him and ran to him and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to his father, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you and in your sight, and I'm no more worthy to be called your son. But the father interrupted him and said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is now found. And the party began. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. This passage of Scripture is so deep and so multi-layered. You can preach it from 50 different origins and bring out 50 different uh, points of emphasis. But this morning I felt the Lord this week would have me share with you this morning on the subject of distance. Distance. This boy... It's a true story because Jesus said a certain man had two sons. 
He wasn't giving a, an allegory or a hypothetical situation. He said, this really happened. And this son lived with his father and came into his room one day and said, Father, just give me the portion that falleth to me. And he gave him of his substance and he took off and left. But he was distant in his heart long before he was distant by body. Men just don't have affairs. There's a distance that happens before the affair takes place. Uh, there's a distance that happens before pastors fall or preachers fall. There's a distance in the Father's house, and this is primarily to believers, but you can also find the parallel to those that aren't Christians at all. There's a distance that happens in the heart before it ever shows up in the actions. And you spot it in attitudes. You spot it in words. You spot it in uh, priorities. And this young boy was living in the father's house without loving the father. He was part of the house without being a true part of the family. He wasn't enjoying that level of intimacy into me see. He was, the, the word distant, uh, let me just read this to you in the Greek, means far away in space or time, cool, reserved, aloof, remote, without intimacy, detached. The Bible says that in the last days, because iniquity will abound, the love of many will grow cold. And, and Jesus said in his word that there are people who honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. There's many levels of distance. There's distant in heart. There's preparation, being prepared to distance oneself in body, mind, soul, spirit. There's the person that's just left the Father's house. There's the person that's way down into the far country. And then there's the person that's been there a long time that's on the verge of coming back home. And by God's grace this morning, I want to preach to you for just a few moments on the subject of distant. Would you pray with me and for me this morning? Lord, this is one of those messages that it's very hard for me to preach because I find myself at times distant and it's hard to preach areas where you yourself fall short. And so I say that publicly to humble myself before you so that you won't think I'm trying to present myself as something better than I am. So I group us all together, O oh Lord. Show us by your Holy Spirit where we are. Remind us by your Holy Spirit who we are and prompt us, prick us, move us by the Holy Spirit to get back to where we ought to be. By the power of your Spirit, I pray these things and in the name of Jesus, I count them done. Amen. Those who are distant from the Lord have to walk over and through the love of God to be distant. The Bible said a certain man had two sons. We're not acquaintances. We don't have some mental assent to the existence of God or a higher power or the great light or the all-seeing eye. We are bone of God's bone and flesh of God's flesh. And to distance yourself from God, you have to willingly, maybe not at first, but surely as it progresses, knowingly, Walk through and over the grace and the gifts and the expressions and the, uh, the history to walk out on someone, to walk away from someone. You have to turn your back on that someone and to know that we're bone of God's bone and flesh of his flesh. We're sons and we're daughters of God. It is not a greater tragedy for a preacher to walk away. The greatest tragedy is a believer 
There's no higher seat than children of God, save God Himself. God never walks away from us. It's we who distance ourselves. It's like the old man, and y'all get the mental pictures, the 71 F-100, no air on the column. Kids don't know what that is, on the column gears. And his wife of 50-something years is sitting against that side with her face against the window. And he's just driving, got that old man look going out the window, straight ahead seeing nothing. That was a joke. Uh, She said, baby, yeah, you remember when we used to sit close? Yeah. You remember how you'd twirl my hair and whisper in my ear and tell me sweet nothings? Yeah. We don't do that much no more. No. What you have to say about that? The steering wheel ain't moved, baby. Could it be that our heart is cold and we reminisce about years gone by and through a foolish, uneducated preacher, God wants to tell you that the steering wheel hasn't moved. That if we draw near to him, he'll draw near to us. You have, I have, the relationship with God today that we want. And he's jealous over our affections. He's jealous over our desires, our intentions. He wants us to enjoy him. He wants us to know him. And it's not about logging hours. It's, I can't tell you what it means to me. Because I don't put them up to it. When my little girls run from their Sunday school class to find me. 30 seconds that lets me know that I am the main event. How long has it been for you since the Lord was your main event? That he was first and foremost. To be distant from the Lord, you have to walk over all the experiences you've had with him, all the answered prayers disappointments, troubles, valleys, of course, all of that. But God has been good to us. I started to write something this morning online, and I said, no, I wanted to tell you uh, in person. And it's not sounding melodramatic, but 22 years ago this morning, a young boy in his 30s (laughs) was scared to death. He was about to preach the first service of a church that he named Didn't know if anybody was coming. There was no demographic study. You know, I look at these young guys, the successful church plants that they're doing, and I'm thankful to God that they are smarter than I was. No dream team, no 10 months of meetings. It was put a sign up in the paper, one sign that big, all welcome, and thinking they're all going to run in the church. And I want to tell you, 22 years have gone by. I don't have one complaint against the Lord. If any moving's been done, it's because of my carnality or my immaturity because God has been faithful. And we have to own that part of the relationship. See, in a married married, uh, life, the couple, it's hard because you're dealing with carnal people. Now, don't punch them. Don't nudge them. And somebody say, listen, baby, he's talking. You know, don't. We're dealing with people that can be self-centered. They can be unkind or unthoughtful and it works both ways but not with God if there's moving done it's through the immaturity and or wickedness of our own heart and that's the first step to being right is not putting it on God and any Lord the steering wheel hasn't moved and if I remember a day when I was closer to you than I am today I am backslid Now, that doesn't mean it has to be all emotion all the time. That's not what I mean. But I mean uh, proximity, importance, priority. Number two, those who are distant from the Lord 
get there by viewing God through an incorrect or distorted perspective. Keep your Bible open and look at verse 12. And the youngest son said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth unto me. Time out. Nothing falls unto you. Early on, biblical examples of entitlement. Nothing fell to you. I, I can leave you an inheritance if I want to. But especially the, the youngest son, it was the oldest son that was bequeathed the spiritual birthrights and the birthrights. And, and we, we become distant when we have this. We see it in the world, but we don't see it in the church. We don't, we don't recognize it. This entitlement in our nation is crippling the socioeconomic and financial structure of almost all business. And it shows up in the home. And when it's in the church, it's so horrible. Father, just give me what you owe me. Newsflash. I don't owe you nothing. Nothing. See, it's hard to walk away from God when you realize you owe him everything. But when you feel he owes you something. And we talk about God almost like he was a person. Well, I tell you what, I read that in the Bible. And I'm going to tell you one thing. I just, time out. That perspective of God owes you and he exists for you. And give me what, you know, that and no matter how you color it, when you listen to a prosperity gospel mix where God's design is to make you rich, you are a prime candidate for this deception. God may bless me with riches, but he also tells me that riches are fleeting. Connect not your heart to it. So whether the poor house or the penthouse, you owe me nothing. May I ask you a question? Do you, we're not talking about anybody else, do you deserve hell? I do. The wages of sin is death. So if we deserve hell, how could we ever deserve better? Hmm. It's the spirit of this world that elevates man to the supreme position, even to the absurdity that God himself exists as a cosmic bellhop to make sure you have what you want, when you want it, at your command. There are many privileges to being a son, but no rights. I don't have no rights, privileges. Privileges. A distorted perspective of who God is. Listen to this verse. The Bible said a backslider in his heart is filled with his own ways. His own goals. His own dreams. His own desires. His own plans. His own intentions. And God exists to help. God exists to help me realize all these things for me. And if your life is centered around your ways. That's a backslidden heart. See, we automatically think, okay, drinking, smoking, drugs, and sleeping around, backslid. Well, those are obvious manifestations, but the Bible said that if you want to see a backslider in heart, that's the one before they leave the house. It's all about them. It's all about them. It's what God can do for me instead of how might I bring you pleasure today, oh Lord. I know it's not a popular message, but this is truth that I'm sharing with you this morning. Those who are distant from God prefer separate accounts with God. So the father divided them unto, unto them his living, verse 13. And many days after, the younger son gathered it all up and began his journey. Those who are distant from the Lord keep separate bank accounts. Now some of you are married, and don't get mad at me. I'm just using it as illustration. He got his money, baby. I got my money. Two checks. He got his passwords. I got my password. He got his savings. I don't know what he does. He don't know what I do. He pays the rent. I pay power bill and water bill. But if we don't stop using so much water, I'm going to swap the water over and get the power. We separate, separate accounts. But we love each other eternally. When you have in your heart, it's my house. He's divided up. These are my babies. You can have my sins. Yeah, you can have them. Thank you. Uh, I will give you a Sunday a month, but I ain't serving. I will, uh, I will 
put my children in this environment at school if you'll give me the resources to do that, but I ain't selling my cars. When you start negotiating in your heart, that is the symptom of a divided heart. And it doesn't matter how you separate it. It's either your whole life is God's or it's not. It's not. I've done this many times before. Katrina, can I, this has been years. You got your checkbook on you? Capital City? No plug. You come here. Get a pen. Let's go, Katrina. Right. We're ready. Give me a check out. Oh, I'll tell you what. Annabelle, Jeff, y'all got a checkbook? Anybody got a checkbook on them besides Katrina? Y'all work with me. Got one? Just be ready. All right, just be ready. You got a pen? No. Katrina. Jesus, take the wheel. And lock me in the trunk. Now, wait a minute. Hold on. You'd write me something, wouldn't you? If I asked you to write me a check for $100, could you do it? You could, and I wouldn't have to hold it till Friday. <laughs> if, if I ask you to write me a big check with like five zeros on it, can you write me one? You can't? Wait a minute. Excuse me just a minute. I can't bend over. There you go. <laughs> write me one out of her account. $10,000. Make it to Kelly Wood. Mama needs a new pair of shoes. Hold on. Wait a minute. Wanda? No. Wanda. Wanda. Hold on. She's writing it out. And you can forge your name because you work at the bank. You can, you can use your own till. You can use your own till. Tear that out for me. I'm okay. Wanda! <laughs> Wait a minute, Wanda. I'll give it back to you. You can, you can trust me, Wanda. Okay. Now, stay right here because I want, I want you all to see the expressions that go with this. She had trouble writing me one out of this account. But out of Wanda's account... Generous? Yes. What you want, baby? What you want? Thank you all very much. Okay. When the Lord asks us, when the Lord asks us, when the Lord asks us, give this missionary your car. Well, 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 wait, 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 Lord. Give her Wanda's car. Oh, no problem. Wanda, give me them keys. Give me them keys. Our problem is we see our life as our own and we are flawed from the get-go. When the Lord asks us to do anything for Him, He's asking it from His account, not yours. So if He asks you for the next three years, well, yes, Lord, it's someone else's account. Because when you bought me, you bought everything I had. My gifts, my talents, my abilities, my resources. Now... Don't you let a preacher, don't you let a preacher or another Christian manipulate you and tell you where your resources are to go. God will tell you. And don't ever listen to one that tells you that God told him to sow into his garden. You hear me? But the prodigal wanted to separate what was his and God's so God could ask this but not this. And that heart is a distant heart. For us, there's one checkbook for us. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm telling you my heart about it. And I know sometimes in certain situations, it's better to have the two. But our names are on the checkbook. And everything I have is hers. And everything she has is mine. It's just how you do. That's how we do. And in the spiritual realm, if you've got separate books, you're soon going to live separate. God either has it all or he doesn't. So when you get to the place when you can give something so freely and you said, that didn't even hurt. Well, because it wasn't yours. I remember the first time I gave somebody $100, I thought I was going to die. Die. First time I gave a car away, I, I called. I had 911 on speed dial. I was going to punch enter. The Lord said, give me a car. It was a missionary. First new car I ever had. And I was like, well, and so we rationalized. I said, I can't, I can't give it. It's not, it's not paid for it. Oh, no, no. I know you got to sell it. Give them all the equity. Mm-hmm. First car. So I went up and told him. I said, this is what the Lord spoke to me, and it'll take me a while to sell it. And I sold it, and it, was, it wasn't a lot. It was like $4,000 equity. And then I drove a hoopty for about two years. You know, all the cash was gone. And you said, oh, that was so generous. No, it was Wanda's account. It's not generous. That person that's balanced and understands everything I have 
He either gave me the capacity to do it, to learn it, the strength to do it, the opportunity to do it. And wise is the man and wise is the woman with all their successes. When people line up and tell them what all they've done, you said, no, no, the Lord equipped me, the Lord gave it to me, the Lord brought the results, and to God be the glory. It's His to do with as He wants. The person that separates their accounts almost always leaves with what God gave them. So the son gathered up all that God had gave him and began his journey. Those who are distant from the Lord usually go farther than they planned on going. And he journeyed into a far country. I never planned on becoming an alcoholic, Brother John. I never planned on being so saturated with pornography that I committed crimes against other people. I never planned on my success making me so materialistic. I never planned on... No one does. No one does. But listen to your pastor in this last hour before the return of Christ. Be sober. Wake up. Wake, wake your spiritual self up. Distant hearts lead to distant geographies. We always, we don't tread water. We're either walking with Him or we're against Him. We're either gathering with Him or scattering abroad. And the distant heart always has reasons to justify the sins, justify the separation, and they look up one day and they're further down the road than they ever thought they'd go. Never dreaming that my first beer at 16 would steal seven years of my life. Gone! Never dreamed. I sit in my office and talk to people. I never dreamed that the drugs would lead me to physically harming my wife. And I don't even remember it. Seeing a woman who's so gentle in heart and nature and God has forgiven her and she's restored, can't even look at me and hands on her stomach and she said, this is the day so many years ago that I killed this baby in my belly. Pastor John, in my belly because it would cramp my style. We're not supposed to be afraid but we're supposed to work out our salvation in fear, knowing that we are no different than anyone else. And distance in heart leads to distance on the road. Far country. You go to the far country. You don't just backslide a little. That's why we must wake ourselves up and examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith. Those who are distant from the Lord lose their life exponentially. It said that he wasted his substance with riotous living. Living for now. Living for pleasure. Living without restraint. Living without authority over them. Do you know what the big deal about the father's house was? Do you know why the son has to leave? Because you get tired of the father watching. We get tired of him knowing because he has rules. He's the authority. And the one that will separate his stuff also thinks he's smart enough to run his life and he can't have his stuff and live under the house where the father tells him what to do. And those who are distant not only go into a far country, but they lose their life. It said he wasted his substance with riotous living. You can see it on their faces, the people that are 40 and 50 my age and look 70, look, look 80 because how their life force was wasted away. God is greater than that and God can forgive and God can restore but distant people, they don't just lose a day every day. It's like they lose a month every day or two weeks every day and all their substance dries up and listen, 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 listen. Yes, the Lord restores the years that the caterpillar and canker worm have eaten away. But that doesn't mean that those years come back. That man that wasn't there to raise his babies and he comes back and he's 50 now and he repents and they forgive him. But his little girls are 30 now. And he doesn't get to tuck them in again. 
He doesn't get to go to that boys' ball games. Those days are gone. We waste our substance with riotous living, thinking only of ourselves, and substance runs out. Substance runs out. And this morning, I'm not trying to make you angry, and I, I'm, I don't want you to think I'm talking down to you. I just, I don't want you to, with the few days we have left, we have to be awake and sober Sober, not drunk on this world, not drunk with the garbage that television's teaching us. And we got to make sure that we're near him and not even thinking about leaving the father's house. That was, that was Jim Gay stretching for the game that's going to be playing in a little bit. I hope he's not in here. <laughs> Jim, are you in here? <laughs> Sorry. I, you know where I got that from? I said, I've sounded like that before. Like, ah. How am I going to get serious again? Okay. Number six. Those who are distant from the Lord are on a collision course with great emptiness. And when he'd spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to live in absolute want. May I tell you something from this road, being a prodigal myself? The law of diminishing returns will set in. The law of diminishing returns tells you that that 63rd rib that you eat will not taste as good as the first one. You hit that grease quotient. Have you ever made big, big pans of spaghetti and you do all that meat at one time and you cook it and smell it and everything and by the time it's done, you say, Mama, you ain't eating? Mm-mm, mm-mm. It's done steamed in her. She has a meat facial and she's peeling it off. Mm-mm-mm. Let me tell you what life does to us. Great emptiness is ahead mentally, relationally. Socially, financially, spiritually. And you start bouncing checks. Not just financial, but in every area of your life. Because you've wasted the substance. God has given you health. And he's given you days. And he's given you years. And he's given you opportunities. And if you waste your substance. That's my prayer for some of us. That we decide today, I'm never going to waste my substance on silly things, stupid things again. Great emptiness comes to that man that loses his family. Great emptiness to the person that finds himself addicted to drugs and other things. Great emptiness. Famine, listen, famine always follows distance. If you distance yourself from God, you will experience famine. And that means there's no capacity to help yourself. Number seven, Those who are distant from the Lord eventually allow and sometimes enjoy things they would have never done before. He went and joined himself to a citizen of that country and he sent him in the fields to feed swine and he craved and longed to fill his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. There was no more horrible, abhorrent place to the Jewish boy than to be in a field of swine in the mud and excrement of these pigs. Now, your pastor loves you, but I'm telling you, there are people in this room today, you are doing today what you would have never done a year ago. You would have never done it. And oh, you can rationalize it. Let me tell you how easy it is. You can find a hundred other carnal Christians that say, oh yeah, we did. that's all right, God understands, but you know You know when you lived close to the Lord, you wouldn't allow it. And it wasn't legalism. It was your desire to please the Lord was greater than your desire to please yourself. And we deny ourselves, pick up our cross daily and follow him. And here's this prodigal in a a pig trough, uh, uh, a pool of mud and excrement and saying, I'd love just to eat that. I'm not getting on to you. I've been there. I always tell you in in my stories that I was in my mid-twenties when I gave my life to the Lord. Well, I was. I I surrendered my life completely. But I was born again as a little boy. 
And I knew what walking with the Lord looked like. And I knew who the Lord was to me. And as a little boy, I prayed and fasted and sought Him and was a witness in school. And I would sometimes do things that later on when I got by myself, I would think, who are you? John, who are you? Someone would say, if your daddy could see you, because my dad passed away when I was young. They said, if your daddy could see you, he'd turn over in his grave and I'd become all indignant and self-righteous. Who are you to say anything? And the truth was, they were right. Distant people do things in their distance they would never done in the nearness. Never. And you can find little things and or big things. And if you want to justify your sin, it's the easiest thing we do. Because God's not going to come in audibly and say, you know better. But His Spirit will whisper to you, you know better. Number eight. Those who are distant from the Lord learn firsthand the foolishness of looking to the world or others for help. It says in verse 15 and 16, He sent him to fill into his fields to feed swine, and no man gave unto him. No man. Did you know that God orchestrates even in your rebellion? God will put you in situations that cause aha moments, epiphanies. I remember before I surrendered my life to Christ in my 20s, I remember started seeing in other people and hating in other people who I was. I, I, would, just, I would see them and go, oh, man, what a waste. Never seeing the hypocrisy, but I was being put in places of aha moments. And I don't know if this gentleman's still there, and I doubt very seriously he was a, a born-again believer, but I took a class from a Dr. Bluestone at Mercer. Any of you knew him or knew of him? Anyway, he looked like, uh, is he there still? He's like 120 now. If he... he looked like Dr. Emmett Brown kind of from... The Back to the Future thing, you know, like wild eyed. And he was just teaching one day. I, I don't even know what the class, I don't even remember the course. And I'm just kind of hanging out, you know, got my little shades on because I'm hungover from the night before. I'm like, da, 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 da. And he's teaching. So this, this, is, in, this is a different age because you do it now, you'd be sued and you, know, you own the school kind of thing. But anyway, uh, I'm sitting there and he goes, he was talking to the class and he goes, John Wood. Yeah? Glasses on. Dark glasses. SAE shirt. Yeah? You are everything I hate in a person. I didn't do that, but I'm thinking, excuse me? You heard me. You are everything I hate in a person. Mr. SAE and Mr. Fraternity Boy and laugh it off and come late and don't do your assignments. Staying out all hours of the night. Obviously, that's why you got dark glasses on in a dark room. He said, you know what the real thing is, John? And I was like, no, tell me. He said, all that potential, and you are throwing your life away. I didn't like that at all. I'd rather you cuss me and say how sorry I was. Don't give me an aha moment where all the lights come on. And God loves you so much, he'll send a Dr. Emmett Brown. He'll send a... Guy you may not know on a stage and say, I have so much in you and I have so much for you and you're throwing your life away. You're, you've pushed the present aside and you're playing with the bubble wrap and life is passing you by. What are you going to do with the life you have left? There's got to be more to life than what the world tells us. The secular humans tell us they're no, we're no different than cows. You just live and die. And then they tell you, you know, you deserve better. You deserve for your tax bill to be paid for pennies on the dollar. You deserve, have you listened to this stuff? You deserve better. You deserve. Take it by the horns. Make it better. We're throwing, let me say it this way. There's got to be more to life than this. You spend all of your health, your youth, 
trying to obtain wealth. You build a career, you make your money, you get your houses, you get your cars, maybe a boat, small boat, big boat. So you spend all your health trying to make wealth. Then when you get old, you spend all your wealth to try to buy back your health, and then you die. That's called foolishness. We're wasting our lives. Life is found in the Father's house. Fulfillment is found in the smile of the Father. He had a moment. I don't know if there in the barracks was a piece of broken glass, mirror or something, but he looked at himself one day. Ben, if you'd come here, or our musician, please. And he looked at himself in the, in the uh, mirror. I'm dying. Not I'm struggling. The scripture said, he said, I am dying. I'm malnourished. I have no food. I've stooped to the lowest level a Jew can stoop to. Look at me. At home... My father's servants have bread enough to spare. The hired help has cupboards full of bread. And I'm dying. I, I'm not going to make it out of here. And he said, I'm going to I'm going to rise and go home. And I'm going to tell my father I've sinned against heaven and before you. And I'm no more worthy to be called your son. And he started, where are you going? I'm going home. Because see, in an aha moment, you realize I don't have to give the devil two weeks notice. The same man that walked away from God has the capacity to walk back to God. And he started walking past all the people. Where are you going? I'm going home. I'm going home. I'm going home. And he was rehearsing the repentance. And he was rehearsing the repentance. And then the last thing I want to, or the last main point is this. Those who are distant from the Lord have no idea how eager God is for them to come home. The Bible said that the father saw him coming from afar off. Okay, please don't be in a hurry. We'll be out in just a moment, but you gotta, you got to see this. You can't just hear it, you got to see this. What are the odds of him seeing him come up a road at the exact moment he was coming? He must have been living at the road. You don't just be gone for years and then just happen to be there at the exact time. And the Bible says when he saw his boy, he took off running towards him. We walk, he runs. He runs. And the Bible said that he fell on his boy's neck, which implies to me, I don't think I'm stretching the scripture, that he was unable to hold himself up. He was so moved with emotion. The only time I've ever experienced that is when my daddy died. I remember as a little boy, while they were doing the service, I don't remember a lot about it, but I went, I was on the front row, and I went to the, the little four posts that hold the casket on wheels, and I went and I fell on one of those legs. I remembered. And I just held on to it and I just wailed. I couldn't hold myself up. And so picture this. The prodigal is not being held by the daddy. The daddy's being held by the prodigal. He fell on his neck. And the boy's trying to repent. See, yes, we are to repent. But we're not forgiven because of our repentance. Because God knows what's in our heart. We're forgiven because he has grace grace and it says he kissed him and if you look in the Greek that word kissed isn't just kissed it means kissed him all over so he's trying to repent father I've sinned before and I just want to take and he just hugged him and held on to him and he ran him into town and he said quick kill the fatted calf and, and bring the band, bring everyone together. My boy who was lost is now found. My son that was dead is alive. Let's throw a party. And the most undeserving guy there is walking in. Did you read where he showered? Oh. Where, what's that a type of? You can't clean yourself. And he says, Daddy, he goes, come here. Come here, buddy. Daddy, I'm filthy. This will cover it. And we who are cloaked 
in the righteousness of God. Our sins are covered. And he gives him shoes for his feet. Why? Because slaves weren't given shoes because if they tried to run away, they would cut their feet on the jagged rocks through the terrain and it would get infected and they would lose their feet eventually, their life. And he said, oh, give my boy shoes. He ain't staying because he has to. He's staying because he's back home. And the party began. There's two things that amaze me as a believer. I'm amazed at how easily I drift away. And I'm amazed at how he runs toward me. I'm amazed. And there's grace for you today. We won't spend long, and I'm not going to twist your arm. But if you're distant from the Lord in heart, mind, body, soul, or spirit, would you come back home? With every eye open, if that's you, I want you to find a place and kneel at this altar and say, Father, you know where I am, and I'm coming back to you. family would you look this way just a moment I'm not trying to prolong the altar service but I just know in my heart there's somebody here that you got to come from way over here John I, I, I can't undo it I, that you don't I know I understand but the Lord is waiting for your return rebellion is a process forgiveness is a moment like that. And wherever you are, I am personally telling you, you're the one. Brother John, I'm too far. I know. Dead. And trespasses and sin in the same way God told Lazarus, get up. He who calls you will empower you to come out of that mess. Where are you? Come on. Who am I speaking to this morning? Where are you? God bless you, darling. Where are you? Come on. Kelly, will you come pray with her? Where are you? Where are you, sir? Where are you, sir?
Papa, where are you? Papa, where are you? Come on. family, would you stand with us this morning? Right before we dismiss you to go next door and have all of the fun and festivities, give me just two minutes to tell you something. The trick of the devil is once you come back home, we have to keep it before us where we've been, what we've done. And there are after effects that follow. So you don't forget, but God doesn't remember because He chooses not to. You don't work at forgiveness, you receive it, which causes you to love the Lord even more. See, you may remember, and I remember, but as far as he's concerned, this is my boy. This is John. I kind of like him. Father, we love you today. We thank you for grace that's greater than all of our sin. We thank you for this word and season for those who needed it most. And you loved them so much. You were waiting on them, Lord. And I believe they're going to feel your embrace and kiss today. Restore unto them the joy of thy salvation. And renew a right spirit in their hearts today, Lord. And thank you, Lord, for not throwing people like me away. I love you today, publicly, unashamedly. I'm your boy. And I want to live in your house all the days of my life. We pray today, Lord, that you were honored, you were spoken of correctly, and that you were pleased with the ministry that transpired today. We give you all the credit, honor, and glory for all things. Jesus Christ, the Lord. And God's people together said, Amen. Have a wonderful week. God bless you.